Amen. Thanks, Corey. Uh, well, good morning. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Adam Kuntz, and I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And uh, God's been so good. Amen. It's good to hear uh, the way that God's been moving just here in this church and the lives of our kids, our students, um, you as adults has been uh, a gift. And I'm excited that we get to open up God's word together to see, to see more of that. And so uh, we're going to be in Acts chapter 8 this morning. So in your copy of scripture, you can go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 8. We'll be in verses 26 through 40. You can go ahead and make your way there. Uh, I want to back up, though, as you're making your way to Acts 8, I want to talk about Acts chapter 1, verse 8, before we get into our passage. And um, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus is speaking, and he says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. God has a plan to empower his people through his spirit to take the message of Christ to the ends of the world. Fast forward to Acts chapter 7 and early parts of chapter 8, Stephen is martyred for the faith. Saul is there approving of his execution. We see that in 8 verse 1. As the result of the persecution happening under Saul's direction, everyone scatters except the apostles. So there's this exodus happening of every ordinary follower of Jesus. They scatter, and Philip is one of those ordinary followers of Jesus that we're going to learn about. We see Philip first enter the story in chapter 6. He's a chosen one, one of the magnificent seven that were of good reputation, full of the Spirit and wisdom. Verse 4 in chapter 8 says that Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah to them. So God started putting into motion chapter 1 verse 8. These people uh, were experiencing persecution and they're scattered and Philip is one of these people and he is in a different city proclaiming Christ, the Messiah, not, oh, woe is me, things are happening. You know, it's, it's about Christ and taking his message, his gospel, to the ends of the earth. And we see this in Philip. So that leads us to the story of the conversion of the Ethiopian official, Acts 8, verses 26 through 40. This is God's word. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, Get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert road. So he got up and went. There was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch, and high official of Cadence, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to worship in Jerusalem and was sitting in his chariot on his way home, reading the prophet Isaiah aloud. The spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot. When Philip ran up to it, he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? How can I, he said, unless someone guides me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the scripture passage he was reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will describe his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. The eunuch said to Philip, 
I ask you, who is the prophet saying this about, himself or someone else? Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus, beginning with that scripture. As they were traveling down the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? So he ordered the chariot to stop, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch did, did not see him any longer, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip appeared in Azotus, and he was traveling and preaching the gospel in all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Let me pray with us. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for your goodness on display. Lord, in the lives of others through the empowerment of your Holy Spirit. God, I pray as we open up your word and look to see what it has for us, God, I pray that your spirit would give us understanding, that you would help us in this. God, that we would gain more of Christ in our lives, a life filled of faithfulness, spirit-filled life. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. This morning, through God's word, I want to celebrate. I want to celebrate what God is doing through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to proclaim the resurrected Christ to the ends of the earth for his glory. I do want to make a small disclaimer, though. There's, there's a lot in this passage. There's, I wish I could spend more time on it unpacking more of what the passage has for us. There's questions I'm not going to address or solve. There's questions you have that I'm probably not gonna address or solve. There's questions you may have as a result of our time together that I'm not gonna address or solve because time. But what we are going to do is look and celebrate what God is doing in this passage. So this passage starts out with an angel of the Lord speaking to Philip to go south to, from Jerusalem to Gaza and Philip obeys. He gets up and he goes. And on his way, he sees a man on a chariot. This is a man, status and wealth, importance. This man is not like Philip in any way. He is an Ethiopian. Ethiopians were true Gentiles, a native of the ancient land of Cush. Ancient Ethiopia is located a little differently than we know it today. And so Ethiopia in scripture would be closer to Sudan and to them this would be an area that was quite literally to them the ends of the earth. And here we have an Ethiopian reading from the scroll of Isaiah which tells us that God is already at work before Philip even arrives on the scene. His spirit is already working in the heart and life of this Ethiopian eunuch he was on his way home from Jerusalem. He had gone to Jerusalem to worship. Scripture tells us that. And because this man was an Ethiopian eunuch, he was not allowed to be in the temple with the Jews. Again, he was a true Gentile due to ethnicity, and he was a eunuch, someone that's been castrated for service to royalty or influential women because they were seen as safe. And Philip and the Spirit's leading is prompted to approach this man's chariot. So I want to celebrate what God is doing through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. What is God doing? God is speaking. 
God speaks through his spirit. God tells Philip to do a number of things, whether that's through an angel of the Lord or the spirit of the Lord. Philip was in touch with the Holy Spirit that when God speaks, Philip not only hears, but he obeys. We know through personal experience, there's a vast difference than when someone hears you and when someone listens to you. The difference is that listening leads towards obedience. Hearing acknowledges that it was heard, but don't assume obedience. This prompting from the Lord is not just a simple, mildly convenient, hey, as you're up, can you get me this thing or that thing? This is a faith-filled, spirit-led type of obedience. Get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. There's no clarification as to what Philip would be doing, who he will see along the way, who he will converse with, but there's no questions asked recorded in scripture here from Philip, just faith-filled obedience. This is God speaking through his spirit to Philip. Very similar to what we see in Genesis with Abraham. So we don't actually know if Philip made it to the destination or if he came across this chariot along the way. But the spirit tells Philip, join the chariot. The Ethiopian was reading from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 53, of a willing, suffering servant, which leads me to another way that God is speaking. God is speaking through his word. God is speaking not only to Philip, but now we see and celebrate that God speaks to the Ethiopian eunuch through his word in the passage about Jesus. Philip approaches the chariot. Today, that would be kind of like approaching the blacked out suburbans with the police escort. Philip approaches this chariot, hearing that the Ethiopian was reading the scroll aloud, and that was customary to do. Philip hears this, and he recognizes it. He knows this is the prophet Isaiah, and he says, do you understand what you're reading? What a moment for Philip to capture. For many of us, it would be seen as an interruption or inconvenience. But to Philip, through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the time and space sitting under God's word personally sees this as a divine moment, not an interruption. This is a moment to point to the resurrected Christ. Do you understand what you're reading? How can I unless someone guides me? So he invited Philip to join him in the chariot. I mean, God's spirit is just wrapped up in this entire story. The cross paths of an Ethiopian and a faith-filled, ordinary follower of Jesus and the opening of God's word. Don't neglect what God can do through two people opening up God's word together. I wish I could spend more time here, but it does need to be said that discipleship is not nearly as complex or difficult as we make it out to be. God, through his spirit, speaks through his word. And Philip was a student of the word, and that overflowed into everyday moments, everyday little captures. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip, being a student of the word, is familiar with what's being read, and he's got the spiritual and biblical confidence to ask the Ethiopian if he understands what he's reading. 
many of us would probably fear asking this question because we don't have all the answers. We don't have the, the time or the sweat equity to, to speak biblically into the life of another person. But there is no substitute, there is no supplement for spending time in God's word. In addition, there's no substitute for having God-fearing, spirit-filled, ordinary followers of Jesus that ask you the questions, do you understand what you're reading? And what a gift, if you've had that person in your life, you know what a gift it is that I've had someone put the time in to help me understand what God's word is speaking. God is speaking through his spirit. God is speaking through his word. What is God doing through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit? God is saving. God is saving. In this account, we see that God, through the power of the spirit, uses Philip to save this Ethiopian. Luke makes note of this man being a eunuch because this man was not allowed to be near the temple. Deuteronomy 23.1 and Leviticus 21.20 indicate that eunuchs are not allowed to be admitted in the congregation of Israel or allowed to minister in the sanctuary. But God, in his providence, doesn't stop his redemptive plan to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. This Ethiopian man invites Philip up into his chariot with him so that he can guide him through the text. And Philip, in verse 35, proceeds to tell him the good news about Jesus. And I love this part of the verse, beginning with that scripture. I mean, what an orchestration of God himself that Philip starts guiding the Ethiopian right where he's at. In this man's chariot, with this man's scroll, there is no curriculum that he needed to purchase. There was no cleaning himself up to see if this guy's really serious about what life with Christ is all about. It was a spirit-prompted, faith-filled, divine moment that saved this Ethiopian to receiving God's grace through faith in Christ. And Philip, again, through the Spirit, proclaimed Christ through his word. Isaiah 53, 7-8 describes Jesus as the willing, suffering servant. Guess who else has some background in being a suffering servant, this eunuch. We know he at least suffered once. I mean, he's a eunuch. <laughs> Maybe we can assume this eunuch is a reluctant to be in this position. People became eunuchs for a number of reasons, and the reason for this man's a mystery, so I don't want to make claim that isn't there. But majority of the folks in this position may be on the more reluctant side. I don't think he meandered into the career fair and saw, become a eunuch. You get to be by important people. There's one requirement. <laughs> he reads the requirement. That escalated quickly. <laughs> I was thinking more nine to five gig. Do I get Labor Day off? Like, no, this is like 24-7 life change. So this man, we can assume, probably reluctant servant of one, reading about a willing servant of all. This Ethiopian received God's grace through faith in Christ. He cannot be a Jew, but he can be a follower of Jesus. What does this passage have for us today? God is still speaking. He is still speaking through his spirit. 
Maybe you've had moments of God's promptings and gentle whispers and nudges where God's spirit is just nudging you to walk in obedience, to converse with that person, call that longtime friend, to make the move, to get up and go. And it may not make any sense on paper, but faith-filled obedience doesn't make sense on paper. If your logistical decision is trying to camouflage a faith-filled decision, you're not walking by faith, you're walking by logic. God speaks through his spirit. He did it then and he does it now. One of the most obvious moments for me when I, in my life when I've had a nudging from the spirit, I was working at High V in high school and there was a lady that came in after, moments after her house had burned down. And she was just asking for where the bottles of water were for her family. And so I had walked her down to that aisle and I let her go on her way. As I was walking her to the aisle, I just had that, that nudge from the spirit. Give her all the money in your wallet. And I had, didn't have much, I had $9. And I was like, this $9 is not going to fix anything. So I let her go. I started to argue with the Lord about this $9. And I was disappointed in myself because that was a moment for me to live my faith. That was a moment for me to be obedient. And I sulked for a few minutes. And I looked out into the parking lot and saw her walking to her car it was delayed obedience, but I did go out and I gave her the $9. But I let a $9 logic talk me out of a life of faithfulness. God spoke to Philip. It didn't make any sense, but he got up and he went. And in that obedience, he encountered a man, a divine moment. Do you understand what you're reading? led to a moment of walking someone through the pages of scripture to see God's redemptive plan unfold before his very eyes and saved this Ethiopian man. God still speaks through his word today. I mean, isn't it true though that you and I would love it if God would just speak audibly to us? It would simplify things. It would sure up any confusion if the spirit, is this the spirit nudging me? Is this of God? Is this just a random thought? Was it the enchiladas last night? What is, what is happening? You know, it would sure up a lot of things. It would take away any need for discernment. But God not only continues to speak to us today through his spirit, but he has spoken, and it's in his word. It's through his word that we see God has spoken and oftentimes we get down in the dumps but maybe our faith fizzles because I just am not hearing God. I just don't hear him. And I've had those moments where I've just felt like, man, God has just been silent and that very well may be true. But also I have some hard questions to ask myself of if I'm not hearing from God, am I actually in the word of God? Because he has spoken and it is to our access today. So you probably already see where I'm going with the, the rest of the points. God is not only still speaking, but God is still saving today. When God saves a soul, it's all an act of God's grace. 
that God is still saving by grace through faith in Christ. That this is not by our efforts or our righteousness or our grit. It's a wonderful act of God's grace. It's by grace, not only that God speaks to Philip, but that he was immediately obedient to the Spirit. I mean, I know myself, I know people, I know faith-filled obedience is only by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. But the bigger act of grace is that there was a man who was far from God, far from the people of God, spiritually and in proximity, and he heard about the person and work of Christ, and his eyes were open to his need for a savior. Hallelujah. When your child hurts another child, and that child approaches the other and asks for forgiveness, praise God for the momentary glimmers we get that God is working in the heart of that child. When there's an offense in your world, normally you'd get bent out of shape towards that person and grow in bitterness towards that person. Praise God for the moments that when you see them and your heart swells for compassion, that I hope they're well. Praise God that God is still working in your heart. I mean, how gracious is it that our God would draw us near to be in relationship with him? Through the person and work of Christ and faithful obedience, his faithful obedience, Christ has been credited to us on our account having done nothing to earn it. How gracious is our God? God is still saving. He did it then and he did it now, does it now. And we'll continue to do so until Christ returns. So we're gonna take a moment in our service and celebrate this truth that God still speaks, that God still saves. And we're gonna do that through the act of baptism. And if you're getting baptized in this service, I wanna go ahead and invite you up to the front. But as they make their way up, we get an outward physical expression of an inward faith through the act of baptism. Baptism is not what saves the soul, that's Jesus. Baptism is the byproduct of a heart that's been drawn towards God and surrendered to God. It's much like a wedding ring. The wedding ring doesn't make you married, it's the symbol of a commitment you've made to another. That's baptism. That God has saved you and your commitment to living your life in obedience right here in this moment and for the days to come for God and the spreading of his gospel to the ends of the earth. So maybe this is a prompting you need in your faith journey, that you've received God's grace through faith in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you've not taken that obedient step to publicly proclaim Christ, that he is my God. That I was once dead in my sins, but because of Christ, he's made me alive. Maybe that's you this morning. But before we move to baptism, the end of the passage tells us that the Ethiopian asks a question in verse 36. Look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? So he ordered the chariot to stop and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. When they came out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch did not see him any longer but went on his way rejoicing. What is our response to this? That God, that God speaks that God saves and that God still speaks and that God still saves, rejoice. Rejoice that God is speaking. Rejoice that God is saving. 
that God saw humanity in the depths of our sin, sent Jesus as a willing, suffering servant, not for one, but for all of humanity. Rejoice in that. Our brother in Christ, this Ethiopian eunuch, is saved and is baptized and then goes on his way rejoicing back home to the ends of the earth for the spreading of the gospel. Let's celebrate and rejoice in those that are being baptized this morning.